What's good? What's good, party people? Welcome to Candid Conversations. I am Candia Johnson. How are you today? I hope you are owning your voice and protecting your magic in the world today. If not, your girl is here to help you get your mind right so you can step into the next best version of yourself. So just the other day, someone said to me, and I get this question a lot, how do you maintain such positive, uplifting energy and confidence, especially with so many crazy things happening in the world right now? So let me be clear. First things first, some days it takes a village to get this mind right, okay? I just let the good Lord and Mother Nature take its place. And then I have to always remind myself, when you own your story, including the good, the bad, and the ugly, you step into the most confident version of yourself. Sometimes it's okay to not be okay. Own it. So it's absolutely critical. By the way, yes, I make up words and absolutely is one of my favorites. It is absolutely critical if you are striving to become the next best version of yourself, whether that's, you know, maybe you're seeking a new job, a career change, or you're expanding your role. It's critical that you stay ready so you ain't got to get ready with the story that sells it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Own it. So today's episode, I want to talk to you about the types of stories that can not only help you communicate your value and readiness for that next level of success, whether it's a new role or uh, a career change. But I also want to talk about stories that can help you flip a negative into a positive. Because let's face it, we've all made mistakes in our career. We've all faced things that were out of our control, but yet we had to show up and take control of it anyway. It's not about how you fall. It's about how you get back up. And when you are able to tell a story that not only highlights the value of the good work that you've done, but it also takes people on a journey so that they can see how you bounced back from a mistake, it creates an emotional connection with them. You step into their hearts and their minds. And you may even get a response of, so tell me more about that. I think I may need someone who need, or I may know someone who needs to hire you. And next thing you know, you done landed the client of the job of your dreams. And besides, I am a you just never know type of girl. Like, let's just keep hope alive. You never know who's lovingly stalking you right now on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. You never know who's listening, watching, reading, and strategizing about the day they're going to slide in your DMs and ask you about your rate or send you an email and say, are you looking for work right now? And listen, for all we know, Oprah or Michelle Obama could be listening to me right now on Cancer Conversations. Hey, ladies, your girl is ready for the big screen. So again, it's about staying ready. It's about owning that part of your story. That tells the picture of not only the good, but the bad and the ugly. And you showed up to work anyway. And for those of you who are listening right now saying to yourself, I don't have a story. I don't know how to stand out with my story. Listen, no matter what industry you're in or the level you're at in your career, you have a story. You have to embrace the fact 
that each and every one of us are multifaceted individuals who are made up of many different stories. And all you need to do is embrace the good with the bad and adapt it as needed and practice it to own it. Let's not overcomplicate things. Your story could be two sentences and 30 seconds. It could be 300 words on your website's about page, or it could be an entire book that you're writing. The key thing I want you to understand is whether you like it or not, every single day you tell a story about who you are, what you have to offer, and what you stand for. So you might as well take control of your narrative. Don't let your silence speak for itself. Don't allow vague, fluffy job titles and terms put you in the same box with a a gazillion other people who are using those same big, fluffy job titles that says absolutely nothing about the value you deliver in the world. Most importantly, your credentials don't make you credible. Your story does. And no, hard work doesn't speak for itself. You have to speak up for it. The truth of the matter is people buy into people. People remember stories more than they remember facts about your degrees or tasks on your resume. People remember stories as well as the energy or feeling you left them with after a meeting or an interview. Way more than they remember the facts of your resume. So like the saying goes, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Stories are one of the best ways to build trust with people. So with millions of people in the job market right now and the art of pivoting, you know, changing careers and expanding your offerings, in the midst of these things being such a hot topic right now, I figured I'd share three of my favorite storytelling formulas to help you clearly communicate the value of what you do and also leave a lasting impression. But first things first, everyone needs a storytelling strategy. So I'm going to share some questions as well as examples to help you turn this strategy into action. So first things first, what's your core career story? That one to two sentence summary of the one thing you want to be known for. One of the common mistakes and struggles for people is not being able to communicate the value of their skills and experiences. So when you think about value, value comes down to how you help people. How do you make their lives easier? How do you give them access to something, um, some sort of community or help them feel like they are part of a cause or a belief, something that's much greater than themselves? So when you think about Many people, many of us, when someone says, you know, so tell me about yourself or what is it that you do? Many people introduce themselves by their job title. And when you do that, you confine yourself to a box with a gazillion other people who have that same job title or perform that same activity in their job every single day. So what makes you different? The way to correct this is to shift from introducing yourself by the title of what you do to the value of what you do. What's the results or transformation people can expect from working with you? What's your track record of value that you've delivered over the last few years? 
So let's consider a few examples. Let's say you are a financial educator. Instead of introducing yourself as, hi, I'm Sheila Jennison, I'm the founder of Invest in Her, and I empower women and help them find happiness and wealth. First off, (laughs) beyond that intro being super vague, it's missing the value of what you've created for people. It's missing the value of what you can deliver for other people. So you want to be specific about not only the problem you solve, but why it matters. So you could say, hi, I'm Sheila Jennison, founder of Invest in Her, and I teach personal finance workshops to help women reduce debt, stop living paycheck to paycheck, and build generational wealth for their families. That's a much more impactful statement than confining yourself to a a fluffy job title and vague words and phrases that says absolutely nothing about the value that you deliver in the world. You could also look at aligning your work to a mission something you want to change in your industry or field of work. So you could say, I'm a financial educator for mid-career women, and through my wealthy women workshops, I'm on a mission to help 1,000 women make their first million dollars. It's a much more impactful way to stand up and either introduce yourself in person or even the first two lines of like your LinkedIn profile or your resume. It's a much more impactful statement. Now let's say you are ready for the level up. You're ready to get promoted into a higher role or you want to expand your service offering. So you've done the work and now you want to teach people how you got it done for a fee, of course. So in this case, you would be looking to use a level up story formula. And you use this formula to summarize what you've accomplished, the results you've achieved, and now what you're capable of doing in the future. So when you want to show your evolution as an expert in your industry and you want to explain how you've built on your experiences to get where you are today, that's the level up formula. So let's say you are a social media account executive and you have about eight years of social media experience. Now your dream job is to become a director of social media at a major publishing company. Instead of simply saying, I have eight years of social media experience working with major brands like Essence Magazine, New York Times, and Chick-fil-A, the key here is to talk about, again, the value that you've delivered, and then tie it into the skills that you've mastered for that next role. So you could say, for the last eight years, I've launched social media campaigns for major brands, including Essence Magazine, New York Times, and Chick-fil-A, and my most popular campaign garnered over 1 million views and $500,000 in increased sales. Now, I'm ready to use my client management skills to oversee brand and celebrity partnerships. Two to three sentences at most. So the number one thing that I want you to remember about your core message is it should be one to two, maybe three sentences. That's it. 
where you've been, where you are, and where you're headed. Now, the next question that should inform your storytelling strategy really is about not only understanding your core career strategy, but understanding the multiple audiences and their different needs and how you may need to flip that story to persuade them to take action. So you have this one core message. Now you may need to do a little bit more convincing to persuade someone to invest in the business of you. So this can include sharing your perspectives about what many people in the industry are doing wrong or maybe something that they're overlooking. It could include, uh, you know, walking them through how you made the biggest mistake in your career, but it also turned into something positive, a lessons learned. Friendly reminder, people, we're all made up of many stories, own them all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So all in all, when you're thinking about these kind of multiple mini stories, and when I say mini stories, I mean one to three sentences, you really want to identify, you know, two to three audiences and the value as it relates to what they need and how your strengths can contribute to their goals and desires of what they want for their company or for their lives. And so you may need to do some research here, of course, to adapt your core career story to their needs. The key thing that you have to think about is their struggles or their moments of frustration. So really step into their shoes to think about a day in their life and kind of like those moments that they're running to running, you know, into a major challenge and how you may be able to help them through that challenge. So one of the simplest ways to get someone's attention is to start the sentence with for people who struggle too. And then communicate the value you've created to a or for a related audience. That way they can see, oh, this person gets me. For instance, for beauty brands struggling to get their products in the hands of millennial moms, I've created content for social media campaigns for major brands, including Essence Magazine, New York Times, and Chick-fil-A. My most popular campaign reached over 1 million women and 500,000 moms subscribed. So you see how we flipped the script on that initial story about the account executive who initially wanted a director position. Now this person needs to flip that script and let a brand know that I know your pain and trying to reach millennial moms. So now you kind of are changing the story and you're speaking to the struggle first before you go into, you know your uh, history in the field. So ultimately, you have to understand what value means to a specific, the specific audience or the specific person you are trying to convince. Another persuasive technique that most of us run away from, including me at times, is letting people know you're human by sharing or speaking up about your challenges or mistakes. So in my Stories That Sell Mastermind, we have these hot seats and there are a series of hot seats that we have where I'll challenge them 
on their weaknesses. And for me, I don't even like weaknesses. The, the term weaknesses, I prefer uh, areas of growth. But I'll challenge them to, to talk me through their weaknesses. And time and time again, one of the biggest mistakes that people make is focusing so much on the weakness that they fail to flip the weakness or the mistake into a positive. So let's consider a few examples. Let's say we are... Oh, let's just go continue with our story of the social media account executive who wants to land this position as director. You could identify, let's say, delegation, right? It's a common area of growth or area of improvement for many of pe- for many people. So you could say, sometimes I've had trouble delegating. However, I use the Asana project management app to help me figure out how much work I have and balance my workload. Also, I've been working with an executive coach who also helped me see delegation as an opportunity to grow and develop my team members. So that last sentence also, again, puts you in a position for that next level because you see now that at the directorate level, you will be responsible for teams, And you know that you'll have to delegate a lot of the work that you have on your plate. So it's taking that mistake or taking that uh, weakness, area of growth, and always looking to turn it into a positive. Now, let's say you've made a mistake in your career. Someone says, tell me about one of the biggest mistakes that you've made in your career. And so one way to begin the sentence is to say, You know, a pivotal moment in my career was when I was working as a contractor for the U.S. Navy. I submitted a presentation to the client who was unhappy about the content as well as the format. But, you know, the lesson learned from that experience serves as the rules that I live by today. One, before the work begins, schedule a kickoff meeting to clarify the client's expectations and kind of explain our process. And two... I identify kind of draft review dates before the review. That way, the client and I can make sure we're on the same page and there's time to make the updates. So again, it's about owning the good, the bad, and the ugly and being able to flip that and adapt it to the needs of not only the person that you are trying to convince, but maybe even the next uh, level or the next role that you are trying to leap into. Now let's look at another persuasive technique for my career changes. So I am a career changer. And so I have a sweet spot for people being able to flip the script uh, when they want to head into a new direction. So if you are looking to connect the dots between two seemingly unrelated roles or you know, you want to take the skills that you've developed in one industry and leverage the transferable uh, skills you've mastered into a completely different industry. Now it's time for us to connect the dots. So let's go back to our social media account executive, right, with the eight years of experience. But now they said to themselves, you know what, I want to get out of this rat race. I want to become a teacher. I want my summers off and three o'clock Every day I want to be done with school, right? So you could opt for the connect 
the dot formula. For the last eight years, I've launched social media campaigns to help major brands, including Essence, New York Times, and Chick-fil-A, boost awareness and sales. However, while I was creating and managing processes for publishing high volumes of content, I developed an itch for teaching. Now I'd like to use those same teamwork and organization skills that I've used in corporate to teach high school students how to communicate more effectively and resolve conflicts peacefully. You see how that connect the dots moment is not only tied to the value of your skills, but also it's tied to the transformation that someone can expect from you leaping into this new field. The transformation being your communication skills is going to to teach them how to resolve conflict. So the key thing that I want you to remember about your connect the dot story is that it's an overview of the value you delivered in addition to an aha moment or a period of reflection or a defining moment, which ties your career story all together. And it makes perfect sense why you're now looking to get into this new role. So the last question that I want us to consider when it comes to this storytelling strategy and turning it into action is how can you create an emotional connection for your audience? So here's what I strongly believe in. People buy into the energy of your presence before they buy into the power of your words. Emotion as well as the energy you give off influences behavior. So I often also think about Maya Angelou's quote, people will forget what you said, but they won't forget how you made them feel. I'm paraphrasing y'all, but y'all get it, right? If you can emotionally connect to a hiring manager through one of your experiences or even maybe find some sort of common some sort of commonality that you have with them in their career or even as a mom or a dad, when you can touch into uh, those parts of their stories that also speaks to your stories, that's a secure the bag moment. Another factor that I want you to consider is you may need to ask a series of diagnostic questions to help you understand what the potential client or hiring manager may be faced with in terms of their challenges, their struggles, their expectations, maybe the population they serve. That way, their responses to these questions can help you pick the perfect two to three sentence story that's going to help them feel like you get them, you understand them. And now they realize you're the perfect person to hire because they feel like Uh, You can make their lives easier. You can give them that hassle-free life. They can have a sleepless night or whatever, right? And so some of my go-to diagnostic questions are, what does success look like for you next year this time? What are your priorities, you know, in the next 90 or 120 days? Also, consider this. We have to consider the climate that we're in right now. So we're in the midst of a pandemic due to COVID-19. And I believe discussions around how people have managed what they learned during that time 
are not only being included in a line of interview questions, but those questions aren't going anywhere anytime soon. And so the key thing that I want you to understand is this line of questioning and storytelling needs to occur on both sides. The interviewer and the interviewee needs to be prepared to not only ask questions, but tell stories about how they managed and what's changed during that time. You know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. In fact, the other day, I think it was on usatoday.com, I read an article where Mark Cuban, so he's the Shark Tank um, investor. He also is the owner of the NBA team. What is it called? I think the um, the Dallas Mavericks. And um, he talked about a series of certain questions that he was asking or he would ask if he was hiring someone or, you know, interviewing someone, he would ask them a series of questions about how they manage during this time. Now, I feel a little indifferent about this, right? Um, And I've even asked a few of my HR friends and they definitely let me know that they are asking questions about uh, how people have managed during this time and what did they learn about themselves during this time. So now I get it. A lot, many people are trying to assess your level of emotional intelligence, right? Your ability to manage your emotions, um, maybe even consider the fact that you've been working from home, but now they're trying to gauge if you're open to now being able to return to an actual work environment. So how willing are you to transition back into the work environment and how structured you are at home? So I do see where a lot of those types of questions and a discussion is needed. However, I feel like we have to be careful because let's face it, there's no precedent to the level of disruption, fear, uh, and pain that many of us Uh, experienced in 2020. So we have to lead with empathy. And the person who's being questioned about how they managed uh, during this time, you know, they could have lost someone they loved. They could have been caring for someone who was sick during that time. They could have faced the virus themselves, right? So you have to really be careful about using those sorts of questions to determine eligibility or even a fit as well. However, stay ready so you ain't got to get ready because it's happening, (laughs) right? So, you know, one of the rules when I am having a discussion with potential clients, one of the rules that I try to adhere to for myself is be more interested than interesting, by asking questions about their expectations and and the role uh, that they want me to fill for whether even if it's just like two weeks or 90 days. So um, for, for a person that's interviewing for, you know, with a client or for a with a hiring manager, yes, ask questions as well about how they protected uh, their employees or their people during this time. What types of you know safety measures were in place, and also ask them how the workplace has changed. How did they continue to you know keep morale up during this time? Um, even asking 
you know, what have they learned about <laughs> themselves and their teams during this time? You can flip the script on those sorts of questions. So prepare to ask those questions as the interviewee, but also be prepared to tell stories about the lessons that you learned. Now, when you are thinking about what to say and how to say it, don't shy away from those emotional words like, you know, it was frustrating and overwhelming and very scary for me initially and even now. And then remember my flip the script moment. You could say, but in a weird way, it forced me to learn how to focus on what I could control. Because here's the thing, party people, when people are asking these questions you have to step into their position. They are looking to see how adaptable you are. They are looking to see your level, again, of emotional intelligence. So playing into, you know, some of the emotions and challenges that you face during that moment, which nine times out of 10, they face too. So again, it's about developing that human connection, that emotional connection with someone. It's perfectly okay for you to mention kind of the, you know, the not so good feelings, but then connect it to an opportunity that helped you kind of increase a skill set like adaptability or emotional intelligence. So you really want to talk about the fact that, you know, you learn to kind of wake up every single day knowing that the way you were used to doing business for 10 years was probably going to change or that they were going to you guys were going to have another meeting and there was possibly going to be another change that needed to be made or another strategy that needed to be used. So you want to talk about the fact that not only did it allow you to focus on things that you could control, it allowed you to embrace changes that could happen every single day. And then at the same time, you could talk about the emotional intelligence of it all, just learning to put yourself in the shoes of, you know, your manager or your boss or your client and um, look at it from their perspective and being frustrated and, you know, overwhelmed because they didn't know how things were going to change. So the key thing here, again, is to Don't embrace, well, let me say this, to embrace the bad, but then embrace the good. Be prepared. You got to practice it to own it, people. That's one of the things I say to myself all the time. I say to my clients all the time, practice it to own it. Well, okay, party people. I believe that is it for Cancer Conversations today. Share this episode if it was helpful for you or it could be helpful for another person who's looking to pitch themselves for a new job or they're in the market for uh, an expanded role at work or whatever. And also leave me a comment. Let me know what y'all think. Talk to you next week. Bye.